Hey, how's it going, everybody? You're listening to another episode of the Super Mercado Brothers Video Game Music Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. This is the podcast where we share and discuss the very best in video game music. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. Today's episode is Knights of Azure. This is going to be a lot of fun. This is the second Patreon-suggested episode in a row, uh, two weeks in a row here. Uh, this was suggested by our very supportive listener and patron, Zach. So thanks so much, Zach, for this wonderful suggestion. I think Zach was actually the person to first introduce us to uh, the Adelier series, which we focused on earlier this year, which had phenomenal music. We, we really sung the praises of that series. Um, and in this that was done by the Gust Sound Team. A lot of talented composers that worked for that company. And this is a game that was also worked on by those same people, the, the Gust Sound Team. So this is going to be a lot of great music. Some of it in similar vein to the Adelaide series, but overall it's, it's definitely a little bit of a different style musically than that series. Uh, one thing we're going to do is at the very end of the episode, there's going to be a couple tracks that we'll play, including the playout track from the sequel, uh, Knights of Azure 2, which uh, has already been released in Japan and is going to be released quite soon over here. So that's kind of a nice little taste of what's going to come with the sequel. But yeah, this should be this should be a good time. Exciting Once stuff. Once again, it's, uh, it's probably worth mentioning that for any new listeners, we do have a Patreon, and that's uh, a pretty cool way for you guys to support the show. And one of the rewards that we have on Patreon is the ability for you to suggest a topic that we have to record. And usually we ask people to give us a few options. Uh, and, and these have been really fun episodes. A lot of times they're topics that we never would have thought of doing. Right. Uh, and today is definitely a good example of that. Um, so, so yeah, let, let's just get into it here. So this is a game that came out in 2015 for the PS4. Again, it's called Knights of Azure. And uh, there's a lot of different composers that worked on this game, and we actually do have individual crediting. So as we, as we kind of proceed, we'll be able to let you know who composed what track. What you guys heard up top was Lady Crimson, and that was composed by Daisuke Achiwa. Nice rocking way to start the episode off. All right, let's get into it. This is a track composed by my personal favorite member of the Gust Sound team. I remember he composed some of the best melodies in that um, Adelir episode. This is Hayato Asano, and this track is called Rain Flower from Knights of Azure.
beautiful melody. You guys are listening to Rainflower from Knights of Azure. This one was composed by Hayato Asano. And in some ways, um, you know, I'm not an expert on the score by any means, but it seems like this might be one of the main themes because this is a melody that um, is harkened back to many times in the score. And one thing that, that Zach mentioned, one, one reason why this was one of his suggestions for a Patreon episode, was that this is his personal favorite Gust score. Um, mm. And you can definitely hear why. There's just so much heart poured into into the score. Um, it, it does remind me, I will say about this, which maybe differs from the Adelier stuff, is it does remind me of other JRPG scores, maybe more sure. so than the Adelier stuff. The Adelier stuff was really kind of quirky and, and unique and this is really well-composed music, but you know, you're going to have a lot of solo piano stuff here. You're going to have a lot of uh, very sweet, uh, simple emotions. Uh, j- just exactly what you're looking for for an RPG game. Yeah, I thought this track had almost like a... I don't want to say a smooth jazz vibe about it, but mm. it almost sounded like commercial music. Like, I could imagine huh. this being background music for like a, a TV commercial. It also reminded me a little bit of like the style of the Wii Sports games, you sure. know, with that piano and flute and drums and guitar. And it's all very pleasant, positive, sunshiny music, but very relaxed and kind of. Yeah. peaceful. I, I love that track. I thought it had a very beautiful melody. I like the chord progression. It, it definitely, um, it sounds like Japanese video game music, and that's something <laughs> that, for me, I just can't get enough of. Yeah. I also really enjoy the production and just the level of fidelity that this Gust sound team brings to, to every single composition. Sure. I mean, every track, when you're listening to a Gust score, there's a couple things you're going to, it just, you definitely feel like you're in good hands overall. You know that the production is going to sound really good. The mixing is going to be good there's going to be some nice real performance and even with the virtual instruments like they they have some of the best equipment um you know in their studio uh, this sound team so everything sounds really good the melodies are going to be really catchy and fun uh it's just you know it's it's a delight to listen to so all right let's keep going we're going to now move on to a track that was again composed by daisuke achiwa I believe this is, uh, if I'm not mistaken, another rocking track. Let's take a listen to Malicious Roses. Here we go. Achiwa killing it here. This is Malicious Roses from Knights of Azure. This is composed by Daisuke Achiwa. Holy smokes. 
Um, I will say that Achiwa seemed to bring the rock on this score. Like, all the really high-energy rockers seem to have been composed by Achiwa. Uh, holy moly, this is good. Uh, I, I particularly was won over by, you know, that melody comes back and then it's harmonized with another guitar and you mm-hmm. have that dual lead guitar. Very expressive melody, very beautiful and rocking. Right. Yeah, Will was saying that it kind of reminds him of the band Muse a little bit. There's specifically that one song, Unintended, that has a similar yeah. melodic sequence. Off their first um, album. Gosh, this is just fantastic. And one of my favorite things about it is, to my ears, it really is within the uh, genre of video game music. Oh, not for just sure. kind of the medium, you know. It, that idea of blending different genres and of having this kind of high rock energy, but with a really lyrical and beautiful melody. There's classical influence. Mixed Castlevania. With rock. Yeah, hearing that harpsichord, hearing that sort of busy harpsichord line over those very classical, almost baroque sounding chord changes, that definitely reminded me of Castlevania a lot. But then when you have those harmonized guitar lines with this just really kind of power pop melody... That almost was starting to give me vibes of almost like F-Zero or some classic, you know, Super Nintendo or Sega Genesis title. Yeah, this track really reminds me of a lot of classic series. The melody also reminded me of Street Fighter 2 and yeah. uh, the, the, the overall, like, really nice modern rock production with the catchy melody. That reminded me of some of the more modern Ease uh, series music. Right, I was going to say that, too. Yeah, there's, like, a Yuzo Koshiro spirit about mm-hmm. a, a track like this, I think. But, yeah, you're totally right about the fact that it's video game music is in, in the genre because the melody, it's like, you know, when that guitar first comes in, you're like, oh, this is kind of like a metal track. Like, this is, this is pretty authentic. But then when mm-hmm. the melody comes in, it's like no other genre would have like that clear and lyrical of a melody uh, being played on an electric guitar. Uh, it almost makes you laugh because it's just so melodic and hooky, you know? Right. Uh, I think I think in some ways we yearn for for that level of um, melodic craft Absolutely. in other genres. So take notes, guys. Yeah, completely. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it. I think it kind of heightens all the other elements because then mm-hmm. even when the track is over, you still have something to carry with you. A really memorable melody. I, I think there are some people that they'll use the word catchy almost like like it's a negative or they'll say like oh that pop song is so catchy that somehow that means it's annoying but to create something catchy is really difficult it it isn't a formula despite what i think some people that aren't composers think to create a piece of music that not only functions and is satisfying on all the visceral levels but can create a melody that really sticks with you and is memorable that's the most difficult thing to achieve so that's one of the reasons we love video game music so much frankly here here Let's move on to another rocker, and this is brought to us by the composer Hayato Asano again, um, and has definitely a different approach to to composition and to rock here. Uh, this one has particularly interesting rhythms, in my, in my opinion. So I was very um, kind of captivated captivated by what's going on rhythmically here. Very different change of pace, but it is rocking indeed. Let's take a listen to Goliath Z, composed by Hayato Asano. <laughs>
You guys are listening to Goliath Z, composed by Hayato Asano from Knights of Azure. Man, already we're seeing the diversity in the score. You know, there's some very restrained, sweet moments in the score. Um, but th- this high-energy rock stuff is such a nice change of pace. I can't believe we haven't done this episode yet, because this score <laughs> is right up our alley. It's kind it's of so everything good. you want. High-energy rock, great rhythmic mm-hmm. stuff, beautiful melodies, and... A modern, a relatively modern uh, video game soundtrack that brings with it the spirit of retro games and kind of everything that we loved about the 8 and 16-bit era. Yeah, I mean, if if Zach hadn't suggested this episode, I don't think we would have ever even listened to the score because I was not even familiar with it. Um, I definitely, after we did that Atelier episode, I was interested in... Uh, or, or was it Atelier? I can't remember if it was Atelier or Atelier, but either way... I think it's Atelier. I was I was very interested in looking into uh, the other work that the Gust Sound team ha- has done. But yeah, this was kind of like a good excuse to like, okay, now we actually have to do this and listen to this. And yeah, not not only is this a great score, but I have heard a bit of the Nice of Azure 2 score, and that is very good as well. So... Who knows? Maybe we'll have to revisit this. Uh, All right. uh, So one thing that's a little bit interesting is a lot of the titles of this score don't really have an official English translation. So a lot of them are just in Japanese. So I did my best to kind of translate some of these. And and some of them are very basic translations. Um, So this one is called The Night Before the Dawn. And this is another Hayato Asano composition. Let's take a listen to this from Knights of Azure. is so delightful it's almost overwhelming (laughs) this is one of those tracks that there's so many amazing things about it from the performance and the composition and the production and kind of those those interesting ambient sound effects that are that are coming in everything about this is just firing on all cylinders holy moly this Hayato Asano is just one of the greats I I would love to to hear this sound team tackle like a Nintendo game like a even like a Zelda or something I think they could knock it out of the park one thing that Zach uh, said when he was suggesting this episode to us is he said uh, Hayato Asano is good for the soul and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes he is completely yeah I absolutely agree with what Carl was saying that there is just an abundance of riches in a piece like this 
a beautiful melody. Uh, it almost feels kind of like a verse and a chorus thing where we're hearing this incredible lyrical melody in the violin. Yeah, da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's such an incredible contour from the very first three notes. It's incredibly striking and memorable, and it lands on all of these intervals that give it such a unique character. There's something familiar about it just because it sounds like other great video game music melodies we've heard yeah. before. Um, and then once that kind of interesting production-y groove comes in, I love you know, that. we hear the melody again and it recontextualizes it. Some of the syncopations are present. But then we get to that chorus melody that seems to happen. Again, mm-hmm. very thoughtful attention to all of the intervals. And um, this is an example of a melody. What I love about that chorus, it's not a melody of sequence where you're taking the same nugget and transposing it. Mm-hmm. It's a melody where you kind of start off with a little refrain. Each phrase starts with that same sequence of interval leaps, Mm -hmm. but then how he subtly changes it. One note down, one note up even higher. Uh, It's incredibly effective. And what I love about a great melody is not just that it can start off right, but that it can conclude itself in a satisfying way and, you know, kind of transfer that energy from section to section. I was so staggered by the beauty of, of this piece. I really felt like... I don't know. It, it was one of the most pure and perfect new melodies that I've heard in a really long time. Yeah, it, it blew me away. Uh, I, I, I do think that, and this is how I felt about that uh, Tellier series, that Hayato Asano probably is the best composer uh, of the bunch and did some of the best work. And I do probably feel that today. Uh, I, I do think that the, the other composers definitely brought it. And, and, and I believe even our track of the week was, was a different composer uh, today, but yeah, Asano, he just has this, this way of crafting these very pure, simple melodies that just kind of cut to your core. Right. Uh, we're going to move on to another Asano composition. This is very different. This is a lot more lighter and kind of bubblier. And it has this palette that is present in a lot of the score. And even when I was kind of tasting the the sequel score, it's present there too. It's kind of this like very light piano jazz with like some flute but the the drum production is more of like techno so it's kind of that that kind of modern fusion sound let's take a listen to ordinary days composed by hayato asano You guys are listening to Ordinary Days from Knights of Azure. This delightful piece of music was composed by Hayato Asano. 
And Will just really nailed this on the head. As soon as it started, he was like, oh, this could fit in a Yoshi's game. This totally could. It really reminds me of Tomoyo Tomito's work. Right. It's very jazzy um, and, and just kind of sunshiny and like a laid back Saturday afternoon. But there's this modern production. It kind of sounds like commercial jazz. I, I use that word, but I don't mean commercial just in terms of advertisement. But, you know, it's very pleasing. I don't want to say it's elevator music because there's a bit more energy than you would have in something like that. It's uh, like energetic but, elevator music. Yeah, it's very sunshiny. Again, I'm, I'm getting a lot of vibes of the Wii Sports games. And I, I, love, oh, yeah. I love that kind of palette of piano, guitar, flute... Uh, in, in general, there's a there's a real sweet atmosphere that's created by all those timbres and a certain musical flavor, I think, in terms of the chords and melodies and, and rhythms that feels like a distinct style to me. Well, well, there's no doubt this is smooth jazz. I mean, this is elevator music for sure. As far as like the chords that are happening, it's just very relaxing. Like you're on hold, you know, waiting to you know to to check your bank account or something. It's it's that kind of very smooth. And a lot of times, the music in the real world that has this palette is not very good. I think we're just spoiled with these great composers that these melodies are really good. And so we're able to maybe in some ways forgive that very cheesy presentation because the music underneath it is just high quality. And that can't always be said of this kind of music. You know, a lot of times I'll listen to the jazz radio station and they'll have like an hour where it's like smooth jazz. And a lot of times I just have to turn it off because I just can't even stomach it. Um, but that's really because there's Don't not... Don't you feel like a lot of that, though, has to do with the production and, like, our cultural associations? Some with of like, it. You know, oh, soprano sax or, like, oh, Kenny G, you know? Another element is that there's not necessarily good music under the hood. And so all there is sometimes is just that cheese and there's not really anything underneath. Whereas this is an example where, yeah, it's, it's kind of cheesy, uh, but underneath it, it has really good melodies that if it were conveyed in a different presentation, I think it would be even more right. well-received. See, I'm kind of with... Dave Grohl made this comment. I know you really liked it too, Carl, a number of years ago, and he talked about how he loves Taylor Swift and basically saying, like, there's no such thing as a guilty pleasure. Like, if you like music, you should like it with all of your heart. Mm-hmm. And I completely agree with that because I think too often... Uh, a lot of us are very adept at listening to sound and saying like, oh, that's cheesy. Or, or we learn certain things like, oh, you know, like, oh, Nickelback, that's bad music. Or it's like there's certain bands or certain artists that just for whatever reason, we all unanimously agree we don't like. And I sure. think often that has less to do with music, more to do with like their hairstyle or the lyrics or the sound of someone's voice. Sure. Or that's bad because it has this instrument in it or this player or something. I, I think mm-hmm. you will be a happier person if you open yourself up to as is, is much music. And I know, I don't know, in the last probably five years i've gotten really into all kinds of this you know public domain production music yeah, or you elevator kind of music because there are some incredible melodies and beautiful old school harmony well i think being a fan of video game music and particularly maybe from eras that don't sound very good it actually requires you to do that and yeah. to really focus on what's under the hood here and to appreciate something that maybe has a, a weird, cheesy, or right. crappy presentation. So in some ways, being a video game music fan does kind of establish those skills. Well, and it's almost like having like a cultural openness. When, when mm-hmm. you listen to music from another culture, you can't really carry with it your sensibilities from your era. And mm-hmm. I think sometimes people... 
you know, if they're listening to music from India or, you know, music from Iran or something, I, I think that they would probably be more open to, okay, I'm going to hear a different type of palette. I need to open my mind. But when we were listening back to, say, music from the 70s or music from the 80s in America, we don't necessarily treat it like this is a different culture, but it kind mm-hmm. of is. They had their own things back then that they thought were cool, that they were interested in exploring. And I think we get too distracted by what's different about it instead of listening to like, right. oh, that's a great melody or I really like that guitar riff or that's a really catchy bass line or that groove really works together. Well, being, yeah, the I gated think... reverb on the drum is kind of over the top and the guy's voice is silly or that synth tone really sounds so of its era. But I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think there's so much to appreciate in all music. Well, I think it's just about being open, being open to when you're listening to something, trying to find something, trying to find a way in, whether it's the bass right. or the melody or the drum groove. Speaking of that gated reverb, Will, don't you think it's kind of funny <laughs> how that sound is coming back now? Like right. there's actually new pieces I'm of pop music that are embracing that. It's almost like the 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 fad of like 3D in movies, how like every 30 years these trends mm-hmm. come back. Right. And then they Carl, get no, you know, it's, it's so like, crazy because I remember us joking about that years mm-hmm. ago cuz there there was a period of time where it was like Everything, everything was 60s was great it was like we want to recapture the sound of the 60s in pop music and then i feel like recently there's been like this huge 70s push for a number of years and like a lot of disco sounding stuff mm-hmm. and now we're getting into the 80s now it's like right. sending up you know anything 80s is kind of fashionable or hip or, or cool again and yeah. i just think that's awesome because i remember as a kid people made fun of the 80s they're like oh that stuff is so lame and cheesy oh what a mm-hmm. horrible decade for pop music and i remember i was being sad because i know you and i both really love a lot of music in the 80s and then it's interesting how the 90s rolled around and there's again there's that backlash where then all of a sudden the drums were totally dry and everything yeah. was a little bit more raw and I think that's going to be <laughs> what's around the corner for us again. All right, now let's move on to something very epic and this is a different side of the score. Um, than we've heard so far. Some orchestral elements, some choir elements, and I believe some solo violin performance as well. Let's take a listen to Masquerade, composed by Kazuki Yanagawa. Wonderful. You guys are listening to Masquerade from Knights of Azure. This was composed by Kazuki Yanagawa. 
and I'm very confident I can say this, that Yanagawa was brought in to do the classical send-ups <laughs> for the score. So there's certain tracks here and there that, that really feel like legitimate classical music, and sometimes they're maybe hearkening to a specific piece or a specific style, and pretty much all of that stuff was composed by Yanagawa. And, uh, yeah, it's just it's just really, really knocked out of the park. It's totally nailing uh, classical music starts off with a sound that we hear a lot in modern video games and modern film scores, you know, just this epic choir and orchestra, but then it gets into something, again, only in video games do, at least nowadays, do we get to hear uh, this level of playfulness and, and melodic beauty right. when that solo violin comes in, and what a wonderful treat, because other than that violin, you know, I think all the other instrumental sounds you're hearing are um, sequenced, you know, the virtual instruments. Right. But when you have a solo violin on top of it, it just, the overall package, it just feels very authentic. Well, it was a very smart use of the virtual instruments uh, using samples that sound really good. For instance, those horn rips. Right. Uh, it's probably a sample of the players going, so if that's all you're using, you, you basically are getting a real performance for that moment. Right. Um, and it, again, a, a really nice orchestration. It doesn't fall into some of the I don't know ostinato tropes of a lot of sequenced music it, it, it sounds like it was actually performed or, or mm-hmm. something that would be idiomatic uh, for performers it's interesting Carl you mentioned classical but to me I think uh, what sounds so classical about it has a little bit less to do with the actual um, you know melodies and harmonies and musical lines and more for to this do one with, yeah yeah more to do with like how idiomatic it is for the orchestra kind of like when we were talking about you know joe hisai joe hisaishi's incredible music and and how just symphonic it is in its nature how he's using the elements of the orchestra in kind of a daring way i got a lot of the, that sense in this masquerade track. sure i mean i i definitely agree i think as we're going to hear, and actually in this next piece of music, we're really going to hear it. There are other pieces where Yanagawa really goes, he really kind of stretches out into the world of classical music as far as how he takes an idea and just explores it infinitely. Let's take a listen to Vivace, composed again by Kazuki Yanagawa. treat this is you guys listening to vivace from knights of azure just to get this level of authentic classical music but it does feel a little bit more modern and you know yanagawa is injecting his own compositional style here one uh section that really felt 
at the same time classical but also brand new was when those those upright basses were hitting those offbeats all together. That was really interesting. I'm not sure if I would have heard something like that in the classical era, but right. yeah, this is just a wonderful yeah, composition. Some of the percussion was almost evoking like a, like a drum set kind of groove like where some of the hits were mm-hmm. happening. It was kind of neat. I also yeah. really liked the use of the timpani on the boom, you know. Mm-hmm. It was kind of a very active part and that little splash in the in the timing of some of those hits definitely this is just made it delightful. To feel classical. Yeah, and it had that wonderful sort of sequence. Yeah, and the way that was all harmonized and and resolved definitely felt like there were some, you know, classical theory wizardry under the hood apparently there's a there's something that happens in this game that takes place in an opera because later on we're gonna we're gonna go back to yanagawa compositions and uh he he has some pieces that are trying to evoke the style of opera so we'll go back to that all right let's now move on to another piece by hayato asano and Again, Hayato Asano has this way of writing these very pure, simple, poppy melodies that just make us feel all all kinds of feels. And I think this might be uh, an iteration of a theme we've heard before. It could be that Rainflower is possible. This is a track that, again, was translated. It's called Flowers Scattered Like Rain. Makes sense that it's hearkening the rain flower theme here from Knights of Azure. Here we go. How beautiful is this? Oh my gosh, you guys are listening to Flowers Scattered Like Rain. Charkins to what I'm calling the main theme of Knights of Azure. This is composed by Hayato Asano. Wow, I think this is the definitive arrangement of this melody because you really mm-hmm. get to hear it played and performed with such emotion. This is this has got to be Asano performing this here. Yeah, really feels like it is. I love those uh, those moments where it it dips into that parallel sixth harmony. That's a very kind of Japanese, uh, you know, piano ballad sound. At least mm. that's what I kind of associate. Um, basically, what I'm talking about is uh, most of us know that when we hear 
parallel harmony or we talk about there's a harmony line some of us might know that the most common way for that to happen is in thirds you know parallel thirds major and minor thirds well what a sixth is is essentially like if you were to invert let's say you had a melody line and a harmony line a third above it if you were to take that harmony line and transpose it down a single octave now they would no longer be parallel thirds so if they were major thirds now they're minor sixths apart and that happens a lot in piano music because since there's not like a vocal melody or anything you kind of want your melody to be the top voice so that it carries and it leads to this really kind of uh, sweet innocent sound I think and the sound of these really beautiful you know emotionally expressive Mm -hmm. and earnest pieces on the piano with melody and harmony in that kind of sixth in that sort of sixth pattern really really sure. i don't know it, it feels so much like great japanese video game music to me yeah you know what's interesting i'm looking at the crediting here on vgmdb and yes uh asano is credited uh for piano and another interesting thing and this makes total sense is the crediting for the mixing engineers is one gentleman who is not a composer uh so maybe he was the lead engineer but Two other people credited for mixing engineer is Hayato Asano and Kazuki Yanagawa. So two of the composers on this project were also heavily involved in the production, which makes total sense. Uh, That's maybe one reason why the Gus sound team is so impressive is because not only are they great composers and they, they seem to work really well together, but the amount of effort and care that they put into all the elements of, of the track is just so impressive. Completely. All right, let's move on to something rocking. It's been long enough. It's time to rock out. This is uh, another translation here. (laughs) Sad Vampire is what came up. This is composed by Toshiharu Yamanishi. Let's take a listen to Sad Vampire. Fun fact, this is my second favorite track in the entire score, um, and Will might have to disagree with me. We, we could potentially consider two track of the weeks here, but this is definitely a close contender. This is Sad Vampire, composed by Toshiharu Yamanishi, 
And I think this was the only track that Yamanishi composed. Uh, and so really, maybe he was brought in to just, you know, just make a killer rock, <laughs> classical rock track. Yeah, I mean, holy crap. This is amazing. Again, we return to that harmonized guitar, classical rock sound with, mm-hmm. uh, you know, harpsichord doubling. Uh, the opening of this track is one of my favorite things. That really shredding guitar line being doubled with harpsichord is a really cool sound. I, and I very can't say that I've ever heard it exactly happen. like that. I mean, it, we kind of know, you know, there's so much rock music that uses harpsichord because it's trying to evoke a classical style but hearing those lines doubled in that way was a really cool and well, interesting also, sound that i don't recall hearing it's cool it's interesting it's ballsy to, to 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 go for that and to just totally nail it to double harpsichord with guitar first of all it's a really fast shredding line that's hard to perform second of all the intonation on the guitar is just flawless it sounds so good yeah. being doubled i don't know it's just so impressive oh yeah this is God. this is a phenomenal track let's let's really think about this as a possible track of the week i, I need a breather that was that was amazing well we will give you a breather because now we're going to do something that's i believe less rocking here this is uh, a track by daisuke achiwa again let's take a listen to a piece of music called rapsodia here we go guys listening to Rhapsodia, Rhapsodia, <laughs> uh, from Knights of Azure, composed by Daisuke Achiwa. And again, this is another very good uh, classical homage, very beautiful and epic and, and kind of tragic. Just really intense emotions are conveyed well, in this track. It has this chromatically descending bass line, which is something mm-hmm. that we hear a lot in classical music. And, you know, back in the day... Uh, at, at different points in time, in different classical periods, there were symbolic meanings. Uh, it, it used to mm. be a thought that a descending chromatic line was implying death and, you know, like descending into hell. And sure. an ascending chromatic line was supposed to be like flying or, or going to heaven. Um, mm. And so I think one of the reasons we have maybe some emotional associations with a piece like this that that feel like final or, or fateful or something is because there are a lot of classical pieces that use this similar progression. I mean, I can think mm-hmm. of um, in some of uh, Bach's uh, in some of Bach's oratorio pieces like the St. Matthew Passion or the St. John Passion. 
uh, he'll use kind of chromatic bass lines like that uh, to kind of depict, you know, the death of Jesus. And mm. so I, there, there is a historical precedent for a progression like that. Sure. It's funny, though, to me, Carl, the first thing that I think of is Koji Kondo and <laughs> Nintendo music. I think of, like, the Super Mario World castle theme, or I think of Super Mario Galaxy, the final level in, and in I video don't think... games. That's kind of... <laughs> that's my first... Yeah, I point. don't think you'd be alone. I think overall, in some ways... Koji has kind of owned that <laughs> in a totally different context. Right. Uh, it's hard to go back. Uh, it's hard to unhear uh, that that influence. All right. We're now going to move on to this week's track of the week. And after we listen to this, we'll, you know, we'll talk with Will and we'll discuss if we want to do one or two. This is another rocker. I think this is the best thing on the score. This is Edge of Apocalypse, composed by Daisuke Ichiwa. Let's take a listen. Awesome. You guys are listening to Edge of Apocalypse, composed by Daisuke Achiwa, which basically takes the melody that we heard in Rhapsodia and uh, really fleshes it out here. How cool is it to get that melody, that beautiful classical melody, with this rock ensemble supporting it? It's truly unlike anything I've ever heard. I mean, like, there's a lot of people that have said that rock music and classical music have a lot in common, and, you know, there are times when it comes together. But this is bringing it together in a way that's just so unique and intense. Mm -hmm. I just, I adore this track. Well, and what's kind of cool is when you talk about the musical form of a Rhapsody, uh, that track that we heard wouldn't, I don't think you would really consider it a Rhapsody because it just seemed to have this singular melody where a Rhapsody is usually like a, a single movement work that goes through all of these different th themes to have mm -hmm. them return at the end. And what's kind of neat about this, even though that piece you wouldn't necessarily call a Rhapsody, by returning to that same theme in this later track, it kind of fulfills the promise of a Rhapsody, just having these mm. motives and, and themes that, that come back in maybe a more forceful or intense or richer presentation. So I thought so that was we'll kind of cool. 
what do you think? Do you want to do some multiples here? Do you want to also add Sad Vampire? To I the would mix? like to add Sam Vi- Sad Vampire, and if we could add The Night Before the Dawn, that Ooh. beautiful Hayato Asano track with that violin melody. I am not opposed. Let's do it. We'll do three this week. Definitely deserves it. All right, let's move on to another Hayato Osano composition. And this is, you know, taking things down a little bit to a little bit more restrained piano again, because we, we've rocked out, I think, maybe enough for the time being, right? Let's calm, let's calm down. This is, I'm not even sure how I would pronounce this, Bielze, Beals? Um, whatever. This is a beautiful piece of music composed by Hayato Osano. You know, as much great stuff as we've heard, Hayata Asano is just on a whole other level. Like, what is going on in his brain? You know, it starts off just really interesting with that flute and piano, really cool stuff. And then all of a sudden takes a turn for the world of dubstep for like 20 seconds. It's like, what is going on here? It goes right back to the piano. Oh my gosh, like who would have ever thought to put this all together? But every second of it is is enjoyable and just musically very very rich i also think uh, a classically minded person you know there an idea of composition that you want to transfer energy and kind of always be doing something interesting or mm-hmm. different you don't want to stay in one mood for too long this mm-hmm. piece completely abides by that it has all these different characters we start with this kind of impressionistic you know i was really reminded of joe hisaishi with these beautiful ninth eleventh chords you know in yes. the high register of the piano doing this kind of you know glissy debussy kind of harp type of thing um but then we move into this really pointed rhythmic character with all these short you know staccato notes and everything and then yeah carl you're right it goes into this crazy like synthy quasi dubstep sound with guitar and everything and then it's like all of the smoke clears away and we have this lyrical moment with you know piano melody and octaves doing this lush arpeggiation with the left hand it, it it's all um types of styles that I think we've heard before, some in video game music, some in film music. Uh, but yeah, I think put together in this combination, n- not quite, I don't think it's something that we've heard exactly before. And Mm-mm. that's what I think is is great about what all these composers are doing here today. Not only that all the musical material is so strong, there are these great melodies, there are these well-crafted but it's instrumental so parts. New. But yeah, they're, they're, the combination is just a little bit different. It has its own unique style i don't think it just kind of yeah. fades into the background of uh, sameness and how 
I mean, just how amazing is it that that's coming from all these separate individuals? You know, there's been amazing compositions from so many different people today, and they're just, they're all bringing it. All right, let's move on to a couple more pieces of, I guess, more classical style music, orchestral music at least, by Kazuki Yanagawa. This first one feels like a send-up of the music of Tchaikovsky. Let's take a listen to Mirrors and Buffoonery. You guys are listening to Mirrors in Buffoonery, and that is, I believe, another translation. There is not an official English title to this particular piece of music, but composed by Kazuki Yanagawa. Will, what are some influences of this that you heard? Well, I, I think you were right with Tchaikovsky in that I think the use of the celeste and that kind of chromatic chord progression is evoking the sugar plum fairy. But to me, when the melody comes in, it definitely has either a Russian folk sound or kind of an Eastern European folk Absolutely. sound, which so many classical composers in the 19th century and even into the 20th century, I, I know that um, there was a time when I was playing some uh, p- some short piano pieces by uh, Bella Bartok, who mm-hmm. is a composer of the 20th century who's known for doing some experimental things and even getting into, you know, atonal music. Um, but he was also very eclectic and diverse, and a, a lot of his music was trying to, in a lot of his contemporaries, they were trying to dig into their ethnic roots and the folk music of their specific, you know, European background. And mm. I, I definitely hear a lot of that type of influence in a track like this, whether it's, you know, Hungarian or Slovakian or Russian, mm-hmm. that the, there's kind of, I think, to, to my ears at least, a, a, a similar language to all that folk stuff that is a huge part of classical music. Well, let's play one more Yanagawa composition for the day. This is called The Girl of the Opera. Now, even though it's titled that, I'm not sure if this is actually going for um, like a send up of opera. This, to me, maybe sounds a little bit more like modern action oh, music. Sure. So we'll let, maybe we'll let Will be the judge here. Something is going on in the opera right here. Doesn't sound good. <laughs> this is The Girl of the Opera from Knights of Azure. <laughs>
interesting. You guys are listening to The Girl of the Opera, which features some choir samples here. This is kind of kind of surprising. This is composed by Kazuki Yanagawa, who kind of is the classical addition to this score. Um, yeah, Will, what, what are your thoughts on this? Kind of quirky. Yeah, definitely action music. It doesn't necessarily sound like you know modern American you know, Hollywood film music. But it definitely sounds like a certain type of action music that we were getting for a number of decades with the you know low piano octaves for some kind of creepy ostinato. It became such a cliche in movie music that it's almost been completely abandoned. And so whenever you hear it... And kind of the Goldsmith it, sound. Um, I don't know. To me, it's like the equivalent of having a trailer that says, In a world. It's like no one could <laughs> actually do that anymore without it being ironic, without it being sort of a send up but I think this gets back to what we were saying earlier where we all need to challenge ourselves to like I don't know try to strip some of those um, cultural associations that we might have with stuff like that that isn't necessarily based on the music itself and is, is more about our associations with sure you know where that music has come from because uh, you know I think when that device was first pioneered by by someone like a Jerry Goldsmith mm-hmm. it was probably a, a very novel idea in kind of an unintuitive way of writing for an orchestra giving so much weight to the piano and a low register but you know like any effective uh, musical idea it it was Sometimes done it to can death. Become, yeah, it, it can be <laughs> copied and um, Xerox so mm-hmm. many times that it, it, it loses its integrity. But I will say, I would much prefer something colorful and earnest and over the top like this that sounds mm-hmm. like older film music than the kind of boring, atmospheric, or just samey, you know, string ostinato of a kind of a modern Hollywood score. Or another thing that happens so much uh, nowadays is like lack of any sort of melody where it's just like this low drone this like alarm this right fading in and out it it really becomes like sound design in a a way right so i definitely prefer kind of the orchestra you know the full battery of it on display Mm -hmm. everyone's kind of fiddling away i i really like that sound yeah it's 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 really delightful. Let's move on to two more pieces from Hayato Asano. We'll first start with something very um, energetic, and then after that we'll go on to something very soft and beautiful. This first one is called Righteous Indignation. Let's take a listen.
We're listening to Righteous Indignation, composed by Hayato Asano. Amazing. Again, we're hearing things that we have mentioned so far today on the episode. A beautiful melody in the solo violin. Uh, a kind of changing, evolving production, if you will. Oh, yes. With adding those rock elements in, not at the beginning, but as the piece evolves and kind of stripping things away and adding things in uh, at, at will as the composition evolves it's really neat and i'm so curious to see how something like this would actually play out in the game well i mean the thing is video game composers the reason why i think this music is so i'm so proud that this is still existing and i just want to be a supporter of this kind of music is that film composers would never go for something like this like i feel like in film like there's so many things that we're afraid to do and we shy away from this would never be done in in film it wouldn't be done really anywhere else other than video games it seems like kind of for some reason there's this playground that these composers are free to try this stuff out and you're going to get emotions you're going to get overall results that are so unique and fun and entertaining and like listening to this piece of music it takes you on this journey like i was not expecting the rock band to come in but it's not like it cuts off any momentum it's just continuing the momentum and the violin is still soaring right. on top of it and it's still beautiful but it's also rocking and fun it's just there's so many things happening here yeah there are so many things happening but also like all of the divisible elements of it are really effective and interesting in and of themselves you know yeah. it, I mean, it could have just been a beautiful track with a lovely solo violin melody or could have just been a rocking track what i find most interesting about asano is of all the composers we've heard today he seems to be the one who's most interested in exploring and combining all of these different genres into a single piece where a lot of the other music we've heard kind of sticks to its ground it, maybe it's it's blending genres but it kind of has a similar sound throughout the entire track where what we've been noticing with some of these asano compositions is you know maybe for 20 seconds it'll sound this way and then it'll evolve into something different and then that'll strip down and then it'll mm. you know maybe turn back into solo piano or you know it, it's very interesting how he's how he's thinking about you know not just having really strong salient musical material but kind of presenting it in a way that mm. makes it feel different or could you know stand out yeah and speaking of music that stands out this next track really stands out as well uh i think i misspoke this is not a very a soft and subtle piece this is another high energy piece from asano i was thinking of the one that comes next but this one is really cool because there's some really interesting meter things that happen in this i believe if i remember correctly there's this section where it goes to five four there's this kind of piano riff that's happening but the drum part is this across the bar, very expressive and free drum part that is just very exciting. So a lot of exciting things happening in this. This is Flowers to Kanumi, composed by Hayato Asano.
badass. You guys are listening to Flowers to Kanumi from Hayato Asano, the last Asano track of the day. And he's really leaving us with some wonderful <laughs> memories here. This is uh, just so expressive and experimental and progressive and really, really cool. That, that section when all of a sudden it switches over to 5-4, but then the drums come in and it's almost like trying to keep more of like a 4-4 feel. Um, you know, then, then we eventually bring back the solo violin. And again, it's like Hayato Asano, it, it, he just, his imagination knows no bounds and he's able to fully realize these really wild ideas. It's just a treat. Totally. And then we have this incredibly beautiful and satisfying melodic idea. Which is something that happens in so much Japanese music, but not even just that in so much kind of uh in so many ballad melodies i mean that's kind of an alan menken trope going mm-hmm. yeah da, and then the next time da, da, you know going sure. up to that higher pitch and the specific notes you know within the scale that um are, are being used that's something that i really associate to alan menken um but it, it's just one of those kind of inevitable satisfying mm-hmm. melodic traits that you kind of just have to do I, I, the, I think a really strong composer is is compelled to make some of those decisions when you get to a moment like that because it's just like i have to do the most satisfying thing here. it's very satisfying all right guys we have one last track from the first nights of azure before we do a little taste of the second this is slumber a very soft and beautiful way to close out this first score composed by daisuke achiwa listening to slumber composed by daisuke achiwa very simple uh beautiful piece of music that for some reason reminds me of like graduation <laughs> it's like you know your life is changing and um you know there's a lot of emotions but you know there's a lot, there's a sense of hope and optimism in this and beauty in, in this track yeah absolutely god i don't know why i'm really struck by by what you said carl about graduation i i think i've always been affected by that kind of like clearing out your locker on the last day yes. of school and saying goodbye that's what this to everyone. feels like and there's some optimism about the future but sadness I, I definitely get very affected by that and i remember when i graduated high school i i kind of i lingered in that feeling for almost like a year because um, it's hard to say goodbye to all your friends it is and I mean, I, I have memories. I remember when you graduated from college, um, I kind of felt that, that feeling that you were feeling just by from talking to you of sort of the sadness of something being over. Crazy for me to now believe that, um, you know, I'm in my last year of college. So it's that's pretty wild. Sad. Well, guys, we're going to close out the episode with two more tracks. One uh, is going to be the play out. This is from Knights of Azure 2.
which like I mentioned, was already released, I think, last month in Japan and is coming out quite soon in North America. This first piece is called Colorful Flower. And again, that's a translation here. Um, And we don't have the crediting yet of composers, but something tells me this might be a Hayato Asano composition. It's a wonderful small ensemble jazz performance here, but you do get some solo violin as well. It's delightful. Let's take a listen. What a fun episode. Thanks so much, everyone, for joining us. Uh, and, and yeah, we're excited to, to listen to more of the second score uh, because from what I've heard, it sounds incredible as well. Very gusty, <laughs> just like the first one is. Thanks a lot, Zach, for your support and for suggesting this topic. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode and hopefully all of our listeners enjoyed this. We had a really great time. You know, we never know what to expect when we dive into these scores that we're not familiar with, but we were very impressed with mm-hmm. the consistency and the energy that was brought to well, this score. And we love doing these Patreon episodes as a reward tier to thank our incredible patrons, um, but also as a way of just thanking all of our listeners and reminding all of you of what an impact you have in our lives i mean so much of the music that we have discovered and fallen in love with has been suggested by our incredible fans and our incredible listeners so mm-hmm. uh we we want you to know that and all of your kind words you know all of the nice emails that you guys send we read them and we try to respond to everything but Indeed. but just know that uh, you know we're both incredibly touched by all the support that you've shown us over the years. Absolutely. We're guys going to play you out with another track from Azure 2. This is Mead Rona, again composed by the Gust Sound team, featuring some beautiful female vocals here. A great way to send you on your way. Thanks so much, everybody, for listening. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm Will Brueggemann. Have a great week, everyone. Peace out.